All right, well, as I said, it's great to be with you today. Um, today I'm just going to give you a little bit of my personal testimony, and then, um, and then I'm going to tie it into a familiar Bible story. So, to start out, I want to take you to... To Jeremiah chapter 1. Uh, Jeremiah was a prophet of God. He was known as the weeping prophet. And as God so often does when he calls somebody to serve him, he calls the unlikely. And that was definitely the case in Jeremiah's case, at least as far as he was concerned. And here is what um, God says to Jeremiah, I'm actually going to start with verse 4. It says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatever, whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. So we have this situation. We don't know how old um, Jeremiah was when God called out to him. It's possible that he was literally what we can, can, would consider a child, or, or perhaps he was saying, relative to my experience, I'm a child, kind of like King Solomon said when he became king. He said, uh, God said, what do you want? And King Solomon said, well, I'm a little child, and now you put me over this great people. Give me wisdom. So it could have been in that context. But whatever the case, Jeremiah did not feel prepared for what God called him to. And I can definitely relate to that. I just want to tell you a little bit of my early life. I was born in uh, May of 1979. I recently turned 37 years old. And um, so... Um, and actually, May is a great time to be born. Uh, when I was a kid, I loved the fact that it was like halfway between my birthday and Christmas, so I got presents every six months. I thought that was a pretty good setup. Uh, the only problem was that I wasn't supposed to be born until August 11th. And so I was born roughly three months early, and my parents were actually on vacation in Jackson, Michigan, um, for their last vacation before I arrived, and I decided to join the party, so I came um, May 27th. I was born on a Sunday. I was born at 11.22 in the morning, and to me the significance of that is um, God decided to call me to be a preacher, and so often I am preaching at 11.22 on Sunday mornings, and so I just think that's really neat that God called me into the world on a Sunday, and then later he called me to preach. And it's just been a blessing for to be used by him in that way. Well, um, throughout my growing up years, my parents uh, told me about Jesus. They told me about the importance of a personal relationship with Christ. And my father passed on to me what I think are two of the most important things he could have, and that is he taught me to love the Word of God, and he taught me to love children. And those two things are important 
to God. God wants us to love his word, and he also wants us to love children. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And so I really appreciate the fact that, that my dad gave me that foundation. When I was close to five years old, and I don't remember a lot of the details of this, but my great-grandfather passed away. And I asked my mom, I said, Mom, did Grandpa go to be with Jesus? And she said, I don't know, because I don't know if what decision he made about Jesus. And she said, everybody has to make a decision to follow Jesus, and it's the most important decision you can make. And so, shortly before my fifth birthday, I made the decision um, to follow Jesus, and it was the best decision I ever made. And you would think that that would be the start of this wonderful journey, and everything would go smoothly. But if anybody's ever lived life, um, which is all of us in this room, you know that there are bumps along the way. And for me, it was really the start of the journey. And for the next nine years, I vacillated between, you know, I had my, I had my happy days. You know, I think there have been times when perhaps I've exaggerated this a little bit. But, uh, so I wasn't depressed and bitter every day, but I remember a lot of times in those first nine years just uh, talking to God and arguing with God and saying, God, if you had given me a healthy body, then I could serve you. But you gave me this crippled body, so what am I supposed to do with it? So in other words, I knew where my eternal destiny lay, but my temporal destiny was one that I couldn't come to grips with, and I was like, Lord, what are you doing? How could you do this to me? Fast forward to July 16th, 1992, the absolute worst day of my life, but it's a day that I remember vividly as if it was yesterday. My brother John, who at that time was number eight in the order, um did his morning feeding with my mom, and she laid him down for his morning nap. By about, um, she had sent my brothers in to check on him several times, and they always said he was sleeping. By about 1 p.m., he had not woken from his nap, so she went to check um, on him, and he was gone. He had passed away in his sleep. And at this point, uh, he had been... My mom's healthiest baby to date, according to the doctor's appointments. She had waited until after um, my brother Philip, who was number six, was full term, and then she started having babies at home. So she had six of us in the hospital and then six of us at home. And so this was significant. And I remember that he was the only baby who would let me hold him for any length of time at three months of age. So that was pretty significant. It was like it was the fact that God knew that he was going to be with us only a short time, so he accelerated some of that some of that stuff. But anyway, I remember that day, you know, I had been reading my Bible at the time, and I just remember praying and crying out to God and say, "God, please save my brother." And I remember the ambulance getting here, and to this day, I don't think of ambulances the same way. Whenever I see an ambulance go by, I pray for whoever, or I try to pray for whoever is, is in the situation, and I always wonder um, if they're going to get there in time and save them. It just changes out your perspective. And um, so anyway, um, the next year was one of the roughest of my life. I was bitter at God. This was my rock bottom. 
I had already been struggling with my self-identity, and now I was dealing with the fact that my brother, who was healthy, was gone, and I was left here, and I was completely useless. That was my opinion of myself. Um, and about a year later, when I was about 14, I went to a conference. I think I had already been to it once. But at this conference, they have a session that talks about 10 things you can't change about yourself. And one of those things is the way that you're made physically. And it was at that point that I really felt Jesus breaking through. And he said, Andrew, I don't need to change you on the outside to use you. I just need you to allow me to change your heart. And if you will allow me to do that, I will do great things through you. And then God started working, and now I'm able to preach in the Kent County Jail every month. I've done that for, our, usually every other month. I go in every month with a group of guys, and I've been doing that for 16 years. And I've really enjoyed that. And he allowed me to be on the old Children's Bible Hour with Uncle Charlie once for a Community Corner uh, segment, Company Corner segment. And he's just allowed me all kinds of different opportunities. I preached in Tennessee and in Illinois and in Indiana. And I've just had a lot of opportunities open up because I got to the place where I was able to say, God knows what he's doing. I'm going to let him work. And he did. So that brings us to the Bible story that I kind of want to relate to this. And that is found in Exodus chapter 3 and 4. Now, we're not going to read the whole, uh, both chapters, although we, we very well could, and I would encourage you to go back and in your own personal study um, read each of these chapters because they are important. But I just want to read a few verses in each chapter to kind of set up our story because as I was going through this personal turmoil, um, I really began to resonate with the story of Moses. And I'm just going to start reading a few verses at the beginning of chapter 3 here. It says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him out of the flame of fire, out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush, and he said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. So Moses' first response, he gets it right. He says, Here am I. When God calls us, um, we may want to ignore what he's saying, uh, but our response should be, here am I. And Moses gets the first part right. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And God said, Surely I have seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and I am come now to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto a good large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites. And he goes through all the, the uh, different people that live there, and he says, um, 
Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee to Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And so Moses is sitting here, He's like, I'm just a shepherd in a desert. Who am I to bring the people out of Egypt? And he argues with God for the next, you know, chapter and a half, basically. And in Exodus 4, um, let me see if I can find it. In Exodus 4, it kind of comes to a head. God's angry. He's laid out this case that Moses is going to be the one. And here's what Moses says in Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who made the dumb, or the deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord. Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and I will teach thee what thou shalt say. So God is saying, I'm going to do the work, but you are my chosen vessel. And I think that sometimes, even us today, we say that we'll pray for things, but then when our prayer leads us to the point where God says, take action. We're like, oh, well, I said I would pray about it, and I'll keep praying about it. But if you want me to take action, why don't you go somewhere else? And Moses is the same way. He goes, he says to God, send anybody else. And God says, no, Moses, I want you to go. And so finally, out of exasperation, and perhaps he was going to provide Aaron anyway, but out of exasperation, he says, your brother Aaron's coming to meet you. He will be your prophet, and you will be to him as God. And it says that Moses would tell Aaron what to say, and Aaron would speak for Moses on behalf of the children of Israel. But the point is that God took Moses from the desert and said, I have this great job for you. And the interesting thing here, which I think is somewhat appropriate for this group, is that when God called Moses to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt, he was 80 years old. Now, I'm not saying that God's going to call you to that major of a project at 80 years old, but what I am saying is that God doesn't retire anyone. He has jobs for everyone to do in his kingdom, whether you're 8 or you're 80. So I want to encourage you to ask, ask God, what does he want me to be doing to reach people around me? And he will show you. But I was Moses. I said, God, I can't do the things you're asking me to do. And he said, you're right, you can't. But Philippians chapter 2 says, it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So that, that brings us to today. Today, um, I am regularly preaching in churches. As a matter of fact, this month of June is a very busy month for me. I have this. This is kind of the kickoff. And then I have 
you know, three at uh, the next three Sundays, I'll be preaching each Sunday and sometimes twice. So I am very busy this month, and so I was telling my grandpa this morning, I was like, this is a bad month for my van to break down. Uh, but again, there's never a good time for things like that to happen, so I, I, all I can do is trust that God already has a new van picked out for me, and we just have to find it with His guidance and direction. But So what am I doing today? Um, in 2009, I... Um, well, I graduated from Louisiana Baptist University with a degree in communications in 2006. And then in, um, I worked for Right to Life of Michigan as a telemarketer from 1998 to 2009. In 2009, I took a position with Guiding Light Mission in downtown Grand Rapids, where I worked for almost a year. In September of 2009, I started my ministry speaking for him, um, whereby I go into various churches and preach, um, and I also have a weekly podcast which started in October of 2012. We're, we're getting ready to record our 200th episode, which is pretty exciting. I have the privilege of using a West Michigan uh, radio studio, so it's a very professional, high-quality uh, podcast that I um, release every Friday on my Speaking for him website, and I do have some business cards if anybody would be interested. And I'm always looking for more opportunities to preach and share the Word of God. My goal is to eventually um, be able uh, to make a, a full-time sustainable income through this ministry. Um, I've, I'm open to having a second vocation, um, but God has not really opened a lot of doors in that way. And I believe that he's called me to do these things in ministry, specifically to encourage families. The family is in chaos right now because we've gotten away from the blueprint that God has set out. And so my heart is to see families embrace the blueprint that God has for them. Um, I am currently praying fervently for um, a life partner who can assist me in ministry and also, Lord willing, um, I would love the opportunity um, to raise some children to the glory of God, but we'll just have to see what God has for my future. Um, and I just want to share with you a couple of verses in relation to that as I close. The first one being my life verse, and it's interesting how God worked with this. When I was 14, so right about the time that I was rededicating my life to Christ, I went to... Actually, I think it might have been like a month before the conference that changed my life. But I went to a uh, a banquet. And I don't know if anybody in this room remembers Dave Dervecki. He was a pitcher for the San Francisco Giants. And he originally, um, they took out his deltoid muscle because he had cancer. And he was told he would never pitch again because it was a major muscle in his pitching arm. Well, he rehabbed and did a comeback that nobody expected. Um, but then the next week, in his second or third start, he broke his arm, and they found out that the cancer was back. So he had to get his arm amputated, and so he began a writing and speaking ministry. Well, my dad um, knew that I was a fan. I had read all of his books, and I had his baseball card. So I went into this banquet, and then afterwards, I got in line to get my memorabilia that I had autographed, and every 
piece of memorabilia that he signed, whether it was the baseball card or the um, books that I had, he put a different Bible verse in. And for one of them, it was Philippians 1, verses 20 and 21. And when I turned to it, when I got home, I realized that this is what I wanted to be a mission statement on my life. So God was already breaking through that hard shell that I had put over myself. And it says this, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also, whether Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What Paul is saying here is, whether you imprison me, whether you kill me, whether you keep me alive, I'm still going to thrive. I'm going to live for Christ, which is a win, or I'm going to die and have even more gain because I'll be out of this imperfect body. And we read in the fourth chapter of Philippians that he led even some of the Roman, some of the Roman guards, or some of, you know, some of the Roman guards that he was chained to, those of Caesar's household, to Christ while he was in prison writing the book of Philippians. And that's just amazing to me. And then a, a final passage that I want to share with you um, is from 2 Corinthians chapter um, 12, verses 7 to 10. And this is was a really important, became a really important passage to me because I've had three times in my life when people have come up to me and they say, if you have enough faith, you can walk. I had one guy that I talked to at the at Guiding Light Mission. While his friend was in a meeting, he came with a friend, and the friend had a meeting. So I gave him my testimony, and I, I, being a little bit naive, I gave him my phone number. And the next day he calls me up and he says, I figured out how you can get right with God so you can walk again. And he spent a half an hour trying to convince me that he knew how I could get right with God so that I could walk again. And I had to graciously explain to him that I believe that God was working something in my life through my disability that he never would have been able to do had I been able-bodied. Do I believe God can heal me? Absolutely. And the day that my wheelchair is not essential to my ministry, it will not be a factor. But at this point, I believe God is allowing me to reach more people because of the wheelchair than I would without it. And God led me to this passage as I deal with these people who, well-meaning though they may be, I think miss part of the point of life. And this is what Paul says. He says, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there is given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distressions for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking, and he's not saying here, 
I get rid of my infirmities and then I glorify God. He's saying I'm glorifying God in the midst of my infirmity because I know that it's working a purpose in my life for God. And this was a man that God used to heal others. And yet his own thorn in the flesh, whatever it was, God said, I'm not going to heal that for you, Paul, but I'm going to use it in your life. And I'll tell you, the first time somebody gave me the if you have enough faith, you can walk again speech. I spent three days in a mini depression, much like the depression I'd gone through for, for that one year. Fortunately, it didn't last that long. But God led me to John chapter 9 when, when the disciples said to Jesus, Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Because it was a common Jewish thing that if you have an infirmity, it must be because of, directly because of your sin. And Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Now, was he saying they were perfect? No, he wasn't. Because nobody is. What he was saying is their sin did not lead to this blindness. But the blindness was so that the power of God could be made manifest in that blind man. And for him, it was healing. For me, it's the power of God resting on me as I work within, within the confines of my disability and I'm able to shatter stereotypes and show people that the disabled community is still a community worth living in. There's a movie that just came out this past weekend called Me Before You, and I thought it was going to be this great love story between a young girl and a guy in a wheelchair. I thought, that, that's great that they made a movie like this. And then I read a review of it, and I found out that it ends with him committing suicide because he didn't want to be a burden to her. That's, that's an acceptable thing that Hollywood embraces in multiple movies is to see these disabled people, instead of learning to deal with their dis- disability and not only live, not only survive, but to thrive by telling them their life isn't good enough to live. Well, I'm here to tell you that Jesus makes life worth living. And every day when I wake up, I have a choice, just like we all do, Am I going to be better or am I going to be bitter? And some days are worse than others. Um, You know, it's hard to watch my siblings get married and move away because that's something that I really want. But I know that God is working on a plan. And I know that ultimately He has all these things in control. And He's doing things in my life and He's allowed me to do things in my life that I never thought were possible. But it was all because I stopped trying to be in control of my own life and I let go and I said, God, do with me what you will. And he was faithful to willing to do of his good pleasure and he's still doing it. So if I could encourage you in anything, it would be this. Jesus makes life worth living. And if you feel down or depressed or alone, then he is always there. He says, come unto me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. And whether you've been a Christian for years, or whether you're not yet a believer, because I can't assume just because you're sitting in a church that you are, he's there for you. I mean, I still have days when I get weary. I still have days when I say, God, I give up. I still have days when I wish that I could just go straight to heaven. But ultimately I know that every day that God gives me is another mandate from Him to continue to reach others for Jesus Christ.
whether it be through the things I post on Facebook or whether it be through the speeches that I give or whether it be through the personal conversations that I have with others. There's one thing I know. Since I started for the kingdom, since my life he controls, since I gave my heart to Jesus, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The more that I love him, more joy overflows. Each day is like heaven, my heart overflows. Oh, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this truth. We thank you that the longer we serve you, the sweeter you grow. Lord, we pray that you would help us to realize that even in the darkest times, you are still at work. Whatever is happening in this world, you have said in this world you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And we rest on that promise today. Lord, I pray that you would bless Everyone in this room, if they have not trusted you, that they would do so. And if they have, that you would renew their confidence in you. In Jesus' name, amen.